Hey up friends, how's it going? It's Matt, I'm back at it, had a couple of weeks of uh, doing other stuff, been a bit busy, but yeah, here I am, episode 55 of the Looking Sideways Action Sports podcast. It's been a while, so I'll give you the tagline. It's my podcast where I try and cover the most fascinating stories in action sports and other related endeavours, so yeah, big thanks for joining me for this episode, and I hope you enjoy it. So today I've got a chat with one of my oldest and dearest friends, Sean Lee. Sean is a health coach, a yoga instructor, a mum, a wife, a snowboarder. She works really closely with Jenny Jones, Neil McNair and James Stenterford on their camps, for example. But really, Sean is somebody with a uniquely positive and joyful perspective on life, which is one of the reasons I wanted to get her on, really. I described her as a health coach, but that doesn't really do justice to what she does, which is help people find the underlying root of why they're struggling struggling to cope with life, which could be physical or mental. Because let's be honest, everybody is struggling. Nobody talks about it, but they really are. You've got the exterior life, Instagram, podcasts like this, the brave, you know, the front you put on at work, basically all that living the best life surface bullshit then there's the reality of life that goes on behind the veil where everybody's struggling everyone's pretending they're not and nobody's talking about it and what Sean does is bridge the gap between these two realities and as somebody's actually tackling this big unsaid her perspective is unique and valuable and that's exactly why I wanted to get her on the podcast and why I would implore you to check this episode out even if you are wondering why you should listen to it. Now, she might not have the wider profile of some of my other guests, but Sean Lee is no less interesting or insightful for that, as you're going to discover. So yeah, for this episode, we are in rich role, life, oh life territory. Don't be surprised if you find yourself humming the lyrics to Man in the Mirror about making that change by the end of it. There's a lot of relatable, that word again, chatting here. Um, Sean just has that effect on people. And like I said, this is ultimately a conversation about that interior life we all live and jealously hide away from other people. And that's a simple fact about human nature that I find endlessly fascinating and well worthy of investigation, especially because my own default setting is to be sceptical about this entire conversation. But I do like to be challenged and Sean being very clever and extremely emotionally perceptive knows this about me. And over the years, we've gently challenged each other over the course of our usual wide-ranging conversations and uh, this one is an extension of those um, and very enjoyable it was too. Now there's another reason I wanted to get Sean on the show which is because she's uh, the other half of um, one of my most regular and popular guests Ed Lee and as such she brings a very interesting perspective to that conversation as well. As I said to Sean during that chat I've had Ed on twice and whenever I do he's a hugely popular guest not least because of the insanely enviable lifestyle that he has but there is a reality that goes with that lifestyle which again often goes unspoken and Sean is very funny and perceptive that word again on that whole topic you know that work a day unglamorous stuff we're all dealing with whether we're on the tv or not so yeah some weighty very honest themes in this one although hopefully delivered with the lightness of touch which is always the hallmark of every conversation I have with Sean Lee um, I ended up getting pretty sucked in on this one as I think you're gonna be able to tell pretty much offering myself up for consultation which was uh, pretty funny and revealing 
Um, my dog Peg makes a bit of an appearance at one point in the background, as do some fairly industrial swear words. So if you're listening with the bin lids in the car or something, you might want to be aware of that. I'm, I got, I've had it pointed out to me recently, actually. I'm swearing a lot more on here. Um, tough shit. Hope it doesn't offend you, but that's just the way I chat. So there you go. Anyway, as ever, check out the show notes for full details of what's going on, including yet another Smith's Easter egg, actually. There's been a few of those now. Must say I'm disappointed nobody's uh, picked up on that. But yeah, there's another one in there. That's enough from me. I'll be back at the end with the usual housekeeping corner. But in the meantime, enjoy the episode. It's me and Sean Lee on our mild addictions. Enjoy. We talk are you testing it okay is it working well you know you never know what you're going to capture there no <laughs> <laughs> i thought i was going to get served up with the incredible <laughs> anecdote about doing karaoke to madonna but you blew it oh damn how you doing sean i'm very well thank you Matt Bar. how yeah, are you yeah i'm good i'm good thanks for coming on my podcast pleasure <laughs> <laughs> how you feeling about it a little bit nervous yeah <laughs> i don't know why right because I'm just worried that I'll talk too much. <laughs> That's a good thing. Is it? I think, okay. I think in the in the podcast world, we never so they don't, so they don't talk. You got a problem. Oh god, that must be awful. I've been pretty lucky actually so far. Most I've had a couple that have gone, you know, needed to be aborted. But yeah, most of them have been fine. Yeah. You just feel like you need to fill a lot of gaps and talk. Well, they do say that the secret of being a good interviewer is to leave a lot of gaps. Silence. Yeah. It's the thing I've had to learn in my job, actually, is to sit in silence. And it took a lot of training. Right. In what, which bit of your job? In the, in not, in, not in the yoga. Actually, in the yoga, in the sleepy yoga, where we lie down a lot, I do a lot. I always say, I will give you the gift of silence because everybody is so saturated with noise and, and voices. Um, <clears throat> but when I'm doing uh, health nutrition clients... Um, and health clients, then I do sit silent because often in those silences are when people fill the gap with stuff that they really need to talk about. Yeah, well, it can be uh, just need the prompting mm. of having, you know, not having the space filled for them. Mm. So you find that works? Yeah, it does. And it usually happens like in the last five minutes. Right. Of, this, of the consultation. Of the consultation. Right. And then it ends up being like another 20 minutes and that's when the gold comes. Why would people need prompting? I think it's because... Um, I could think of one particular client, just one that's popped into my mind, and she just always wants everything to be okay. She said, yeah, but it's all okay. It's all okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm feeling fine. I'm feeling good. And then it's only at the end... That they kind of, I call it, I was saying it to Alima yesterday, actually, it's called delayering your onion of your life. And they get rid of a lot of layers and then they kind of sniff out the core near the end. And it often doesn't happen to like the sixth. Is this a physical or a mental consultation? Uh, 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 this is like, well, it starts out in my work. I start out with people usually who want to make nutritional changes, so food. <clears throat> and they may have um, stomach issues or um, skin issues or arthritis or food allergies. 
diverticulitis, migraines, lack of energy, hormonal imbalance, all this stuff. And so a, hel- we a health start issue. A health issue. Yeah. So, so um, sorry, I'm just going to get like contextualize it so we can so everyone can understand. So yes. So they will come to you and yeah. you will help them make those changes. Yes. So what do you call yourself? Uh, a health coach. Okay, right. Health so it's not coach. something like, it's not nutritionist. No, not... I'm not a nutritionist. Yeah. I'm not a qualified nutritionist. I'm a, I'm a health coach. Right. So people will come to you and they will have a lifestyle change that they want to make, yeah. which is usually connected to some underlying health issue. Yeah. And from what you're saying, back to the needing emotional honesty. Mm-hmm. To, to talk to you about it which is yeah. what the prompting's about obviously yeah that health issue this is what I'm surmising is wrapped up in an emotional issue as well yeah because it's not just as straightforward as saying like hi Sean I've got arthritis what can you do about it yeah people are having to make these you know I'm getting I'm I'm, I'm asking like they're having to make these deep rooted changes that are that are connected emotionally that are difficult mm. Is that, yeah. is, that, is that fair summary? Yeah, it is. But <clears throat> now you're going to scare people off because they'll be like, oh my God, I've got no. But emotional. everyone's got them, haven't they? Yeah, they have. And this is the funny thing is that even though people tend to think, oh, I'm, I'm pretty well adjusted, I've just got this problem and that I get really bloated after I eat, you, we, we take out all the food um, that could be causing that and then we slowly introduce food again. But usually it's at about, because I work with most people for six months minimum but tends to be more of a year and some people I'm almost two years because we crack the initial condition and then it's the delaying of the onion where they're a bit like actually I've realized I hate my job and it's my job that's making me feel yuck when I eat because I'm so stressed my body thinks I'm being chased by a bear so it's stealing all my blood supply from my digestive system and I can't digest any of my food because I hate my boss. He bullies me. And I've just realized that's the actual problem. So it tends to happen that way without people even knowing that that's going to happen. Right. Yeah. Have you got really good at um, facilitating that? If you see. Yes, because usually I speak to people um, and I and I don't normally, you know, we don't talk about it at the outset because people get so scared. No one ever wants to admit that they are stressed, you know, because stress is seen as such a weakness, but it's, it's a pandemic. It's so, uh, today, 99% of people's health issues relate to stress in some form or other and again the the body doesn't understand whether stress is positive or whether it's negative so even if you are snowboarding and you freaking love snowboarding so much but every time you go out you ride stuff that makes you stressed eventually that is going to take its toll on your body in some way okay yeah what, funny so it's yeah. a physical manifestation of that yes and what could, what could that look like in that example um that just... so, so um, you know digestive issues yeah huge it, it, swollen swollen joints yeah you know a lot of the time um i've got someone i've been working with who's had uh, a full dick dick <laughs> <laughs> i was wondering how long that would take <laughs> little freudian little, little sharnian freudian slip <laughs> and i help them i'm not even gonna say normally i say stuff like i saw i can edit that i'm not even gonna edit that she leave it in <laughs> <laughs> a, d- a disc a disc issue um lower back and it had a, it had a fusing in their spine and um 
you know, we looked at, they've been having acupuncture and physio and all this stuff. And I was like, okay, so let's take out foods that are causing inflammation. And for most people, it's, well, we initially take out dairy, gluten, sugar in many forms, complex carbohydrates, alcohol, and you take out alcohol. Um, all the fun stuff. All the fun stuff, caffeine, yeah. dairy. Oh, my God, dairy is one of the biggest. Dairy's hard. I know. I find it so hard to affect. <gasps> Because it's got caseomorphines in it, so it causes um, morphine-like experience in your brain. So it's highly addictive, as well as tasting really, really Can't good. Can't get enough of that egg mayo. Can't get enough <laughs> of that egg mayo. Or a like do. <laughs> egg mayo. Oh, you can make your own mayo really easily. I'll give you the recipe. Um, yeah, so uh, people, yeah, and when you normally, you're coming and you have an inflammation in an area, it's like someone will be like, oh, my ankle's really sore all the time. Um, like a mutual friend of ours who'd had 12 years of his ankle and he changed his diet and it was gone. He's like, it's a miracle. <laughs> like, yeah, it's incredible. Oh, and the woman who had the really bad lower back with the fusing of the disc. <laughs> And uh, as soon as we took out inflammatory foods, her back pain was gone. And it happens so often, probiotics. How do you overcome the sort of inherent skepticism that I imagine you must come up with? Do you know what? Quite a lot. I am. Um, you know, just yeah. from. And I'm, I'm going to ask you the question, like, because I think, you know, I've certainly been programmed to believe that physical pain has a physical, very obvious um, symptom source. source. Yeah. So. You know, to be completely frank, like mm. there's a part of me that finds that di- what you've just said difficult to understand. Mm. Um, now, I'm not like completely dismissive of it mm. because I've also um, followed one of your plans with really good success. So mm. I do, but I, you know, it's quite hard to articulate. Sometimes it feels almost like there's a chicken and egg thing going on. Mm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, well was the inflammation caused by the mm-hmm. physical incident or you mm. know what I'm getting which at. came first yeah oh a huge I mean so many people are skeptical yeah um and I used to waste my breath on trying to convince people and now I don't because I can't be asked um and also I don't let people buy gift vouchers anymore because I used to get people that I'd be working with and they'd be like I'm gonna buy a gift voucher for my sister she's so sick and I'd see the sister once and she'd be sitting there not believing a word I was saying and it was demoralizing and I think oh you know I don't I don't want your money if you're not gonna if you're not going to do it because yeah. it's it, not your job to it's not my job yeah. you can take a horse to water yeah and you have to take it slowly like with um my husband for example he has come on board with the food massively because he and initially he wasn't into it because it was a massive change but then he travels a lot so he noticed when he was away and eating the normal food he felt sluggish and tired and his knees hurt yeah and then he got back and he was like i've got so much energy when i'm at home you know i tried to find a million other reasons why yeah, yeah. obviously just being in my presence was enough yeah but um Eventually, and so he now travels with a Nutribullet. Right. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. he just knows 
that if he's going somewhere with, you know, Austria or somewhere where it's just meat for breakfast, he's going to feel not as good. Yeah. So what do you put that scepticism down to? It's because um, we have been programmed to believe. What's really interesting was before... You know, it was kind of World War Two when everything changed, where people stopped being responsible for their own health and they started to rely on a doctor and they didn't believe in themselves, that they could heal themselves. Like, go back to Socrates, you know. Let, it, th- th- those Greeks knew what was up. Let food be thy medicine. It's, they, they, and one of the protocols I put really, really sick people on is... From 1919, it was started to be used as a gut healing protocol. And it is, it's, we don't reinvent the wheel. It's going back to eating how our grandparents ate. But then with the introduction of antibiotics, and, and you know, don't get me wrong, there is a time and a place for antibiotics, definitely. And there's a time and a place for a doctor. Doctors are amazing and, you know, they work so hard, but they do about a week of nutrition. They don't believe in nutrition. My dad followed my protocol and his doctor now when he goes to see him is just like, how did you do it? What did you eat? You know, why are you no longer pre-diabetic? Why don't you have high blood pressure anymore? Why aren't you taking any tablets? Why do you look so good? And he just doesn't understand. And it's because they, no one has been educated to believe that they can heal. We can heal with our minds. A, a stressed mind causes a stressed body, truly. So you think that it was, do you see it, I'm guessing, as part of this almost like holistic overview that people used to have because you had to have it. Yes. Rather than yeah. until medicine came yeah. along. Medicine came along and then the pharmaceutical companies. Yeah. And I'm not even, you know, starting yeah, to yeah, about sure. that. Have you read that book, Being Mortal? Uh, no, but I need to. Because that's a similar argument, which is, is about that basically until, you know, let's just say 120 years ago. That's mm. not an accurate thing, but it makes the point. about then, yeah, 100, yeah. Um, people... Obviously, the death rate was lower and people just lived with death. You know, mm-hmm. people would die. You'd, you'd have to, you'd see death a lot more. You'd, you'd have mm. to deal with it because like people in your family would be getting sick and you'd, so it was kind of just very much seen as like a normal, you know, normal thing, which it is because everyone dies, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then death the, in Texas. yeah, and people, and the crucial point that he makes in the book is that people didn't try and keep people alive mm. beyond the, the point of like when you would die but mm. obviously what modern medicine has given us is this ability to keep people mm. alive for much longer than previously they would have done his argument is that that's hugely affected our relationship to death mm. and that's why we're suddenly you know within 100 years or whatever now like really ill-equipped to deal with it mm. like sickness mm. emotionally and also death emotionally mm. and hit, the whole argument is like you know we should be trying to relearn how to, to look at it so mm. I guess it reminded me of that because you kind of again it's like you've you've the things that you would have just dealt with because it was part of your life have now moved mm. away from you almost mm. out, out of your control so and you scrabble to, to keep someone alive which I totally understand but w- what's so interesting is all of those uh they call blue zones around the world, places in the world where people live over a hundred. It's Sardinia, somewhere in Japan. And they they look in um, 
the common factor is because uh, they all drink a little bit of alcohol, but it's community and it's support and it's they all have this happy mind. They wake up feeling stressed, they go talk to their neighbor, you know, and that is such a huge part of it. And that I have such concerns for our future with regards to um, kids of today who spend so much time not being able to communicate in person because they're sitting on devices, you know, so much so that we pulled the kids out of school in New Zealand because they introduced this whole, um, it's called Bring Your Own Device program from such an early age, you know, six-year-old kids working on iPads. It's just, it is terrifying. And if we had a crystal ball 20 years down the track, people, mental illness, oh my God, it's just terrifying. It's how people are going to cope with life. Not coping with death, they're not going to cope with life. It's terrible, scary. And how easy is it to, to get people to change their, um, when, so when you, if you, if you have a, situation where you get a patient or, or mm. is it, I call them clients I was going to say you probably don't call them patients um, and you you know you might prescribe what you, what you mm. described earlier where you said right you're going to have to stop food yeah. sugar you know yeah. and I imagine well I imagine people find that difficult but yeah. I guess what I was going to say is you know for me it's almost like a self-destructive thing mm-hmm. in a way in a very mild way it's called self-sabotage you know like it's a I can thing. certainly in cycles live a version of my mm-hmm. healthiest self like currently you know yeah like you know I've not had a drink for eight weeks Woo! like feeling pretty good mm-hmm. you know sleeping properly mm-hmm. but I don't feel like that much better mm. but I guess what I mean you is good well I guess what I mean is like when I do start drinking again mm. and I do start eating shit again and all that stuff like part of me almost likes it Mm. and then feels bad about it Mm. so it makes myself go on another Mm. health binge it's it's and I imagine that's quite common in Mm -hmm. a lot of ways Mm -hmm. because you know that ultimately the stuff that's not good for you is quite fun Mm. you know so how do you get people to accept it you know as like as as a long-term like actual you you know what you're just gonna have to do this I never tell anyone it's forever, but it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I had a thought the other week. I was yeah. saying to you, like, the other day I was like, I could actually give up drinking. Like, I could just literally give up drinking mm. now. And I was terrified mm. by the prospect, you even just... though I actually just could easily do it now. Mm. But part of me was like, wow, that's oh so bound up in my, yeah, I, not identity, but definitely with my um, emotional idea of what constitutes a good or relaxing time. Yeah. You know, you mark those occasions. And social situations. Yeah. You know, it's really hard. And that's so, something... So, so that, is that a big... Uh, the, oh, you know, the question is, is that, is that like a yeah, big Yeah, oh, it's huge. So uh, well, at the end of a, a consultation, I usually say to people, um, I'll tell you my ideal scenario and let's work backwards with what you can do. And we look at what's going to happen in their life in the next two weeks. You know, are you on the road? Do you have a wedding? how's your partner going to be about this what, what's your work situation like are you stressed at work and but and I always it's called um I call it primary food is what you put in your mouth but then your secondary food is your career your relationship your exercise and your spirituality 
which doesn't have to be gauze, but if, like for me, it's being at the top of mountain and looking at mountains or watching the sunrise. That's my spirituality on teaching yoga, of course. So with people, it's, everyone is so different. People usually come to me when they're at rock bottom because you have to be to believe that food can change everything. Uh, and not just food, meditation, yoga, breathing, mindfulness, all that trendy stuff. Um, and then we work backwards. And if somebody is just like, I just can't do that. Like, I just can't. I can't do that. I imagine that's pretty common, right? Mm, 100%. 100%. <laughs> but but I'm always I'm amazed <laughs> at the people who are just like, yeah, I'll do it. I'm so desperate. I feel so sick. Yeah. When, when I was really sick, which is how I got into this, I went to this acupuncturist and he said the same to me, from today, you do not drink alcohol, coffee, sugar, dairy, gluten, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, but I need my coffee to get out of bed and I need my wine to go to sleep. Like, it's normal. And so I've been through it. And so I completely understand, number one, how horrible you feel when you come off it. It's, it's a horrible process. But when people know that that is normal and that means that good stuff is happening because bad stuff is leaving and when bad stuff leaves, it makes you feel horrible. Yeah. Um, they then get a little bit of impetus in the second month to go a step further and then they start to feel really good and then I kind of turbocharge it for a few months because they're believing in it you know they're like oh my god like my nails are harder and my hair's growing back and I'm sure I'm not so wrinkly because people are vain if they can see it or I've lost a stone and I wasn't even here I don't tend to work with people for weight loss as a primary focus because weight loss just happens and if you're a chronic dieter, which people who usually go to programs for weight loss are, um, it's much deeper usually than um, just a health issue. There's usually... It's we, the emotional thing again. Yeah, we go back to childhood, yeah. you know, emotional eaters. Yeah, exactly. And there's something that's happened. They've lost yeah. a mum, they've lost a dad, they've lost a sister, a child. Yeah, it's sure. usually a massive trauma. Is it? Well, there must always be. It I'm is, guessing it is, there's always yeah. something. That, there's that, always something. There's always a reason. Yeah. Why? Why? Because. Yeah. So that thing that I mentioned, this mild self-sabotage. It's normal. Is common, right? Yeah, I've got this guy I've been working with for ages. He's going to listen to this. <laughs> you know who you are. Um, he's my biggest self-sabotager. It's hilarious, but he's doing so well. But what happens is, your good times become longer, where you are good in inverted commas where you are as you perceive yourself to be good and your bad times become less it flips yeah. so if I'd seen if you said to me four years ago I'm going to try and not drink for the next week you would have, that would have been a big deal whereas you've slowly been no I have done it before actually when I did, did you? I did six weeks about seven years ago I normally do a month a year that's good yeah but it's just because it's Life. weird. I just I just feel guilty mm. when I drink. Mm. It's so weird. Mm. It's got so much worse as I've got older. I'll, and it's when I've got a hangover. Yeah. And I just feel I just feel guilty. That's oh, hideous. And I'm just like, what the fuck am I guilty about? Yeah. Like, you know, I've just got drunk no. and with some friends. Yeah. Literally, you know, maybe I talked a bit of shit and fell asleep, you know, like but 
it was just really doing my head in. Mm. And I got to the point where I was like, I'm going to not drink for a bit. Cause, mm. Because like it, it just felt really the whole thing just was like why the you know what the fuck why if I f- if it makes me feel bad like mm. why am I even doing it mm. you know but like I say it was drinking for me as for you know just as a thing like as you know I'm grew up in the north of England like mm. you know it was it's very part it's part of the culture mm. of English you know like you, you, booze is a central social pillar isn't it mm. you know like like I say we celebrate with it you know it's like it's just, you commiserate any, with any it any excuse yeah. so we drink it's generational it's huge yeah this generation we grew up and even it. earlier when I said like I was scared of the thought of giving up drinking mm. I remember a couple of friends of, of ours have given up drinking recently and I was and I was when, when I heard that I was a bit like I was so impressed mm. you know I was like and I think that's had a bit to do with it to be mm. honest because I think I was almost like oh wow right okay so you mm. can't actually do that and still have fun yeah and then and but then what's ridiculous is I've become competitive with it with myself <laughs> like in a way that I kind of do with this thing, you know, mm. this cycle thing. Mm. So I am kind of wondering what, <laughs> what's, what's, whether I'm going to carry on with it or whether, because at the minute I'm very much like, I'll feel guilty if I don't keep doing it. Do you know what I mean? So mm. it's almost like I've replaced it with something else. Mm. <laughs> yeah, but, but at least it's healthier. It is healthier, but again, it's this, it's this whole thing, it's this funny thing with our brain. It's two reasons that you feel hideous the next day. One is your liver gets so freaking clogged. With yeah, life. right. So there's actually a physical. <clears throat> there is a physical thing, yeah. and what happens is when you can't, your body can't eliminate um, toxins. Uh, so it chooses to eliminate external toxins before it eliminates internal. And with women, it's estrogen. And with men, it's your testosterone. Right. And so when you have, and it just, you got to kind of think of your liver as like a hand. And it drops through this trap door, your hormones, and um, they enter the bloodstream in a converted form of those hormones. And so when your body is trying to get rid of your alcohol or it's, it's dumping, and it usually does it at three or four in the morning, which is why you usually wake up at that time when you are drinking a lot or if you are stress because really it's try- yeah right okay because it's trying to happen- dump that obviously happens yeah i'm pissed why can't i sleep properly yeah 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 <laughs> totally i should be able to just, i should be yeah. in a coma Going which is 17 why- i slept right through yeah <laughs> that poor liver was pink yeah <laughs> so you when you have your first drink after you've done this detox or if you're on holiday you know how you don't get such bad holiday hangovers on holiday but i often just think that's because you're much more relaxed you are because it's your liver it's not processing cortisol it's another hormone Which that it's always trying to it's related your stress hormone. related hormone yeah. that it's pumping that we as a generation are pumping far too often you know you it leaves your bloodstream in 15 seconds normally cortisol but what produces cortisol in uh, your adrenal glands yeah right. so your 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 body you've got your sympathetic nervous system and your parasympathetic and your parasympathetic is your rest and digest and your sympathetic is your fight or flight I'm being chased by a bear and when we are stressed you know, you got to get the kids to school, or you've missed your alarm, or you're stuck in traffic, and someone cut you off, and you so get to work. Mild triggers. I keep using constant. the word. I keep using the word mild, but you know, like mild. Not, I, I, I guess I say mild because that's just life, isn't it? Yeah, but it, that, that is modern life. But, but that's what I mean. So yeah. but it's those day-to-day per se situations yeah. that can 
produce it. Totally. And, and then, you're constantly ping, ping, ping. And I'm adrenaline, assuming that's probably exacerbated by, yeah. exacerbated by drinking loads of caffeine. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Have you quit coffee as well? Fuck no. No. <laughs> How's your tea? How's your tea? Um, well, I mean, I'm definitely addicted to caffeine. Mm. Like, there's no doubt about that mm. because I wake up and have to immediately drink two cups of tea mm. and i really like that so you should move to green tea i don't like the taste of green tea mm. yeah but anyway you know what i mean like that, yeah. and are that, we having and a that, consultation that, that triggers <laughs> it well, i was thinking that yeah. then i was like this is great i've kind of rigged this like some yeah. live consultation francs, <laughs> <laughs> no but like it, it, you know it's like that's definitely an addiction mm-hmm. a very again there's mm. that word again mild one mm-hmm. i think i know what the title of this podcast is going to be mild addiction mild addictions it's Um, funny that when you look at caffeine though it's like the whole world is running on really mild cocaine you know caffeine it's it's this keep going keep going keep going keep going i'm tired i've got to have caffeine and i had this client recently and she's like and i get home from teaching and i have to lie down and i'm like oh my god that's amazing you lie down and she's like yeah, but shouldn't I keep going? And I was like, no, we should all lie down for half an hour a day. Mm. Every afternoon, I try and you put your feet above your heart. I put on Deepak Chopra, my guru. If I, if I, oh, I'm desperate to meet him. And I listen to him and I just turn off my frontal cortex. I turn off my fight or flight. I move into my relaxation. Because the major issue is when we're running in fight or flight, our logical, clever brain doesn't function. Our, oh my God, I've got to survive brain functions. So this is bringing us back to the, the hangover horrors. The hangover horrors. The fact that decision making now is probably, you know, it's fast decisions. This world is moving so fast, fast, fast. And yet, they're not always good ones. You know, you wake up in the morning and you're like, oh gosh, I didn't really think that through. But I, I made a decision quickly. We've just got to slow down. Yeah. Yeah, so that's slow where my guilt down. comes from. Yeah, it's weird. It's it's definitely... I mean, I, I kind of put it down to aging some, somehow. Well, it is. It's because also your, your blood sugar... And again, it's this hormonal thing. Your pancreas has been pumping insulin now for 42 years and it's getting tired to keep your blood sugar at a good level because we're eating processed food, sugar, caffeine, stress, blah, blah, blah. If you take out all of those inflammatory foods, you give your pancreas a holiday as well. Right. You know, there's this huge incidence of pancreatic cancer in men and nasty breast breast cancer in women. And it comes from, I believe, modern living, you know, modern food, modern stress. So why why are people, I mean, it's pretty obvious really, a lot of this, Mm. you know, clearly modern life, you know, as you put it, like fueled by caffeine, like mm. everyone's got addictions. It is pretty obvious, really. It is. You know that 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 life is a bit unsustainable and a bit much. That that's that's coming out in, you know, health responses and then huge issues. Mm. Why do you think people are so um, unwilling to take that medicine, as it were? Oh man, because you know it, it takes guts to be the person at the dinner party who asks if there's gluten in the meal or who doesn't take a drink. I I always say to my clients who are struggling with that, I say, take the drink, but just don't drink it because don't tell people 
you're changing your life. Don't tell them because they're going to give you shit because they don't have the courage, 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 <laughs> the courage, c'est quand dit en français. They don't have the courage to do it themselves, so they're going to knock you. Because people don't like to be different in those areas. Well, I I'm, I actually think it's because people don't want you to be different. Because I, I had this... Yeah, er- they don't want you to be different. I had this earlier where, um, again, friend of ours, mutual friend, who's 40, he's listening to this as well. You, <laughs> you know, know you, who are, you dickhead. are. Um <laughs> He's going to be 40 next month. Now, me and him, he's one of my oldest, dearest friends. But, you know, when we get together, we get pissed. Mm-hmm. That's what we do, you know, and we look forward to it. And I said to him, like yeah i'm coming but i'm probably not going to be drinking and he was a bit like mm. he was he was basically like, well, we might as well not fucking come then mm. you know and he was really like what fuck off you, yeah. you're not drinking like what do you mean and it was because he doesn't want me to be there he yeah. wants he wants matt bar the drinker to be yeah. there because he has fun with that guy yeah and he's been really looking forward to seeing that guy the thought of matt matt bar with the uh, nanny states from brew dog yeah <laughs> <laughs> he's a bit like Guy, he sounds fucking shit. Yeah. You know. But I've got a new dog. Come yeah. and hang out with my dog. But exactly. And that's that's difficult, isn't it? Because mm. it... Because, I mean, I've just ended up going out less. Mm. You do. Just, you avoid it. Yeah. It's like when you get pregnant, you just avoid those situations. And you and I remember someone saying to me once, God, you're boring when you're not drinking. And I was like, oh, I just shouldn't even bother coming, should I? Yeah. yeah, but you think it, that that's what it comes down to, just this, mm. it, is, it is difficult. It to, is, yeah. and if you've always been that person who is life and soul of the party, the one who's going to be up to the last. This is teeing up for a brilliant segue. Is it? Yeah, so, oh. <laughs> Tell us about your, uh, <laughs> your road to Damascus My road to conversion. Damascus. I feel like we've done it all back to front, haven't we? Uh, but you mentioned it earlier, you said when you got sick. I got and sick. obviously when we met, so we're very old friends, yeah. known each other for a very long time. And again, me and you, party. <laughs> you know, that's how we met. You know, we oh, we loved fun. Yeah, but that obviously that wasn't the foundation of our friendship, but it was initially certainly a big part of it. And um and then we didn't see each other a huge amount when you because you were living in New Zealand and yeah. I was in Europe. But I was aware that you were ill, mm-hmm. and um, and that's what's facilitated this, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, where'd you has. start with that? Where we start with that? I think um, it's always hard to put your finger on an illness, isn't it? Um, uh, well, numerous things. Gut, gut damage. I broke my back, or I compressed a number of discs in my spine snowboarding in my early twenties. Whilst I was partying my pants off, I was living in Whistler and I did a couple of seasons there and um, and just kind of gobbled caffeine, codeine, pain relief for 10 years really and Voltaren to mask the pain in my back, which was, you know, if I ever, and then I was working, I, would, I was snowboarding a lot, but I was also... Um, working in London and a desk and whenever I was at a desk it was painful and so I'd just take some more pain relief and whenever you take pain relief you damage your gut lining big time and eventually you get this thing called leaky gut which is um, 
when the lining of your gut starts to separate and particles of food leak into your bloodstream and then your body sees them as foreign invaders and it starts to fight against it and you develop autoimmune diseases, allergies, food allergies, eczema, etc. So I think that was kind of my foundation for the beginning of the end. And then um, and then I was, I've, well, you know me, God, I've always lived life to the fullest <laughs> so loved parties but worked really hard um you well, know you, you know you you lot like me you got no off switch no off switch and no. it, when it comes to stuff yeah you know like you you, you definitely like I'm going to do another project, another yeah. project, you know. You just keep going. And, you know, we, for you, it was like, have kids, move to New Zealand, yeah. set, up, set up huge business. Yeah, and I was and I was running I was running the WSC distribution in New Zealand. And um, at the same time, oh, I had Suki, kept traveling. Like, she did 22 international flights with me in her first year. While I was working, I just took her with me everywhere. Um, I had an absent husband. Um, I still have an absent husband. Um, and uh, even absent this weekend. He's not, he's not he's here now. He's not even here now, is he? No. Um, and then I had Oscar. And a month later, it was the global financial crisis hit. My business, all these shops went into liquidation. They owed me a huge amount of money. I had all the stock coming in from Sweden. I was just like, oh my God, what do I do? But I just kept working, working. I set up um, shops, so that like pop-up shops to Clara, you know, and I had two kids under two and um, Oscar was allergic to the world. He screamed every night from 10 p.m. till 4 a.m. He was had allergies like, oh, it was, it was just a massive itch. So I kind of kept going and going and we were still coming back and forth to Europe so I would see all of Ed's family. Um, and then Oscar, and this is from my understanding now of working with a lot of people who've had chronic fatigue, there is usually a massive trauma within the six months of them then falling chronically ill. And Oscar had a, and we didn't know this, he was allergic to buckwheat. So when he was four, he almost died from an anaphylactic uh, reaction to buckwheat. And he, he stopped breathing twice. So it was pretty gnarly. It was in Russia. I couldn't get a hold of him. And luckily I had my mom and dad. And I had my mom and dad through all of this. Like they kept me alive pretty much. Um, and then, so, you know, life kept on going at its crazy pace. And then six months later I got glandular fever. And then I just couldn't get well. I just had a chronic sinus infection. I had eczema on my head. All my joints ached. I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't eat anything without feeling sick. I just felt like shit. And this went on for like a year. And every time I go to the doctor, they'll be like, well, your bloods are okay. You're okay. And, you know, are oh, you depressed? And I'll be like, I'm not depressed. I'm just, I'm really fucked off. Something's wrong with me. And you can't tell me what it is. And that was when I'd already dabbled in, I mean, my mom has always, she's a nurse, but she always used to take us to kinesiologists and we had homeopathy and she did yoga from, from when I can remember. She had a purple onesie. It was amazing. <laughs> and um, so she has always been naturally inclined when it has come to medicine. Um, and my great gran was into it and my nana as well and you know another other ways so I'd always had it there but um, 
Oh, I all of a sudden realized that modern medicine wasn't going to fix me because they just kept putting me on drugs and it was making me sicker. So I went to about 40 different practitioners. I tried everything and then um, I went on a liquid diet for a year when I found out what was going on with my gut and I healed to a certain extent enough that we could then... We came to Europe and I just started on this protocol called GAPS, the one I was talking about. It's gut and physiology syndrome. Um, And it's like a lot of broth, healing broth, and a lot of fat, 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 no complex carbs. And then um, we moved to Verbier to do a season. Um, and I didn't have the stress of my import business in my face. Like Ed always says, we moved there so you could take a break from life. Sorry, I just burped. And um, <laughs> the brownie I had earlier. It's Far amazing, away. Amazing brownie here. <laughs> and, um, and so I enrolled in an online um, course because Can I just Can I just ask, so sorry, much. what did he mean by that? He was just, he has always just... That sounds a bit bitter. Well... I said that really harshly. Yeah, um, I don't think it was bitter. He's also an old friend, so I'm allowed to say Yeah, that. you're allowed to say that. It was just, I guess he saw me being sick um, as kind of uh, my own fault because I was always so busy. Well, that was the obvious question, actually. Yeah. You know... Did so, I, yeah, did my mad lifestyle create it? Yeah. Oh, huge factor. Yeah. Huge. Well, the other observation I was going to make, though, is that you've still got a mad lifestyle. Yeah, and I have to, oh, my God, I'm so I'm so aware of that, and I am so aware that I need to, I have to keep checking myself, which is why the job is so good for me, because I'll be talking to someone, and in my head I'm like, Sean, <laughs> practice what you preach, yeah. make sure you're sitting down and mindfully eating so you can digest your food, assimilate nutrients. But, so Ed was like, and then you lasted two weeks, and you enrolled in that course, and then you studied, and then you started seeing people, and then you went and did your yoga training, and but my job is calming you know i benefit massively from teaching yoga right i come out of a teaching and i'm like bing yeah high on the energy of the people who've been there and just high on the breathing and so yeah i'm busy so i ended up and i think in the last year and a half i've kind of surpassed my health where i've ever been in my life yeah who knows, is it living at altitude or I snowboarded so much this season and yeah, it was good. Yeah. It was the key. Yeah. You right? Yeah. Um, I'm not going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> Some stage I probably will. But I guess what's interesting as well is the fact that you have turned it into a business. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and not mm-hmm. like you sat down and probably wrote a business plan. No. But at what point did did you begin to think like, actually, I should be helping other people with this, which is now what you do yeah, as well, right? So. Yeah, um, that just because again, when I enrolled in my course, I didn't want to be a house coach. One of my really good friends um, is an amazing house coach, and because I thought we were going home and we lived down the road from each other, I was like, is she, she's so I'll never be as good as her. She's incredible. Abby and um, so I didn't want to be a health coach but six months into it 
I started seeing all these, all my friends had all these things and I was like, oh, try this or try this. And so I helped people for free for like six months and then... So you sort of piecing it together. Almost. Yeah, and, yeah. I, and I, I didn't think I'd work in it. And then they would, they, someone would call me and be like, oh, you've helped my friend. I've seen that, you know, they've changed. Can, can you help me? I've got this. And I'd be like, yeah, so um, let's do a consultation. And then it just snowballs. And yeah. I've never... So it's all been word of mouth. Yeah, I've never advertised. It's all word of mouth. And yeah. people seeing other people and being like, oh, my God, they look amazing. Yeah, well, that certainly happened with Lima. Oh, my God, she's glowing. Yeah, yeah. And and people have definitely been like, wow, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and, and obviously I've been doing it as well. And Yeah. Yeah, you do completely... You change. Um, yeah, no, it's well. Again, it, it's like I said, it's like best self, living mm. your best self. I hate that phrase, but yeah. you know that is does sum it up as a thing that you do, isn't it? Yeah, you know, to try and be your best self. It's yeah. like the the organic journey to become your best self. <laughs> it's using all my most hated phrases. <laughs> I hate it, but you know what? Well, you're called you yours. You call it the health shed. The health shed, yeah, because it's a one-stop shop. Hi. <laughs> um, it's a one-stop shop. And I. it's important. It's not just nutrition. For me, yoga is, is you know, it's 50% of it as well. Yeah. And I get the best results with people who then also come to my yoga classes. Right. Um, because we can work on, you know, getting rid of just stress in your hips and bad gut bacteria sticking in your gut lining and yeah and they just feel better it's just yeah so that's so the, the proof going back to your question of how do you convince people because when people come to me they're at rock bottom if they start to feel slightly better they're like oh my god it's working and they cling on to that they're so desperate I mean, I there like might I be was. there might there might be some people listening to this. I'm sure there are, and I'm sure. You think it's I'm another. a wanker? Well, no, I just <laughs> think that a lot of people might might kind of look at the lifestyle that you you and Ed are lucky enough to have, mm. and kind of think, well, that's easy for you to say, you know. Like, uh, is that something else that you hear quite a lot? Uh, never, never, because um, we work freaking hard. No, I don't mean that though. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I more mean somebody who perhaps hasn't got the uh, freedom. To, to, yeah, you know, to pack up and move to a or like somebody who's just got a shit job and like a yeah. you know like and is is very much trapped in a situation. Yeah, you know. but even then they can make little changes. You know, even small things like um, a drinking more water. Yeah, or getting up and telling someone that they look amazing today. That's going to make them feel better. I mean, it sounds really trivial, but I've actually mm. this and it probably sounds a bit insane as well. But um, I've actually started trying to make different small choices and i mean mm -hmm. to the point that like i might get a different bus home or so clever or i might walk a different route mm. to the bus stop i've actually like consciously started doing that as a way of being mindful yeah mm -hmm. just thinking about what i'm doing so amazing i walk barefoot I a lot to do it i believe the difference that made to my <gasps> mindset actually that's amazing yeah well just because it because it was making me like yeah i guess it is being mindful isn't mm. it? it's making me just think about you know rather than because if you don't especially mm. you know i'm like i said earlier like you film my days what like you know i'm always busy mm. and i'm always like you know 
having a routine and mm. doing stuff and you know and that becomes something that is not a pleasure whereas when you do list. that it's just a list a tick yeah, list I, I just walk here and you don't even, sometimes you can't even remember getting there yeah exactly so that's I, the crazy so thing I quite, so back to what you know mm. the point you were making yeah those small changes I mm -hmm. do think they're like massively valuable because mm. they do cause you to just sort of shift your perspective even like a tiny yeah. bit don't they and you become more grateful and you stop uh, and I uh, was talking to a client about this last week it's a syndrome I call I'll be happy when I'll be happy when I have that big TV I'll be happy when I've got this I'll be happy when I get my new car I'll be happy when I go on holiday it's just all shit if you're not happy now you know while you're walking barefoot on this morning I walked around, I couldn't feel my feet in the end, it was so cold, but I walked around barefoot for like 20 minutes because I was like, oh, this just feels so cool feeling the ground yeah and then you get little endorphin pops and again it's a physical reaction you, you're releasing that serotonin you, you, and then that converts to your um, melatonin and you sleep better so th these tiny changes you don't have to do anything massive well that was the other thing i was thinking about the uh the booze thing as well giving up booze i was like like it or not it's an enforced lifestyle change mm -hmm. it makes you behave slightly differently see different people do different things mm -hmm. and i kind of was thinking about it like i mean there just is value in that mm -hmm. even you know if you forget the physical obvious benefits and you know the the guilt the guilt angle you know there is just a benefit mm. of like forcing yourself to live your life a little bit differently it's mm. like presumably why people go on like silent retreats oh my god you know stuff like that people just do stuff to yeah to to shift out of their routine mm. don't they i guess that's what we're talking about yeah really. and, and it's that neuro linguistic reprogramming you know you change the synapse pathway when you do that is that, a fact, is that i mean i don't know oh, anything about amazing. that so it's, is that is that a, is that the basis yeah of, it's neuroplasticity so it's so it's so fascinating i'm doing a course on it next week actually um and I've just been doing all the pre-course material, which is, it looks at the fact, so let's say you've had a massive trauma and you get post-traumatic stress syndrome. It's because this trauma <clears throat> has caused your um, synapses to, the, the pathway between your stress communication has become closer. And so when it's closer and you are in a situation that your body would normally perceive it as a minor stress, so you can't find your shoes, actually your brain goes on this pathway which tells your body that it is a major stress. And so you need to reprogram it. And that's where yoga and meditation and there's been these... And getting a different bus. Harvard studies. <laughs> and getting a different bus. And putting, you know, I, we do it in yoga. I say, okay, take a different grasp of your fingers. You know, you always go for one grasp. Let's yeah. change it up. Put two together. You you always go the left first. Let's go right. Let's, you know, just to keep doing stuff differently for your brain. And it then breaks bad habits. Yeah. And breaks. And people who have coming back to your um, self-sabotage, the way that you, in the end, we have to get over that massive hurdle because everyone comes to it is by becoming aware of neuroplasticity. She's got pretty a little bit closer to you. More, oh. Not close, but she's more in front. I'm more in front? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Like she's this? She's going a little bit sideways. Like a, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like a cigarette. <laughs> no, it's interesting. It's mm, interesting. It, and it's interesting talking to you about it because it's kind of making me realise... It's just stuff that you don't really think about, is it? Because is it, you know? we're so busy. Yeah. Surviving. Yeah.
So you're about to um, mm. have another huge upheaval. Oh my gosh. You're moving back to New Zealand after yeah. the last three years in, in Europe. Yeah. Yeah. I'm guessing you're pretty excited about that. Yeah, I, I am. I, I am. I am. Yesterday was hard because I had to leave the house and um, I cried all week. And uh, do you know, I've, I've worked it out. I've cried because I'm mourning the passing of time. I love life. Oh my God, I love life. I love every day. And I love I love the age my kids are at. And I love living in the mountains. And we're moving to Wanaka, so we're still in the mountains. Shit hole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but to wash your mouth out. But no, um, no, yeah. Well, yeah, you were really instrumental in the positive mindset of my husband actually. Um, so yeah, it's it's a huge it's a huge change and, and I've been so sad because the the first year and a half there were pretty awful we went for four months and um it was really traumatizing on the kids they didn't speak french we put them in a local school the locals there didn't like us because we were foreign um you know middle class white female receiving <laughs> racism it was really educational experience for all of us and but i said to, the kids were just desperate to come home and i said to them we can't leave until it's good, because otherwise, you know, going back to this neuro-linguistic pro re processing or reprogramming your brain is that they would have had a bogey on their shoulder forever. And the last year and a half has just been so amazing. It did help that we had the best season in, what, 20 years? Yeah. <gasps> it was amazing. And, um, yeah, but then I just focused because I was crying at the end of all my yoga classes and it was so embarrassing because I love all the people I teach. They're all so lovely. And I was so sad. And then I was like, just focus on seeing your mum and dad at the airport, my mum and dad and my dog and then all my girlfriends and yeah so now I'm excited new adventure new chapter kids are going to a big great school hopefully yeah can <laughs> I can I ask you about how you balance it with with you and Ed just because that's you know he's English you're you're a Kiwi mm. you know you it, I, it, and I'm sure there's loads of people listening that have got similar situations mm. or know similar situations that's something that you guys have had to work like really, really hard at, right? Oh, yeah. To balance that. How, how's that? Is oh, it's hard, you know. And it's funny, I was talking to a friend about this and I was saying, you know, I, I don't want to bag my husband on a podcast. It's going to end in divorce. But on the flip side, I think it's really important to be honest because it, it's not just the fact that people, um, you know, Ed is away and always has been away for six months of our lives a year and it's not all in one stint but it's in six weeks here so we function pretty well as a unit and well it's I mean you know Ed's one of these people sorry to interrupt you but no. like outwardly he's got such an amazing life mm -hmm. and even when I've had him on the podcast a couple of times you know he's like such a popular guest and people but one of the things that people really like about him is his lifestyle you know people people look at his lifestyle and they're like oh, he's living the dream living the dream living the dream but the dream. i know Hashtag. the fact that you're the one that's then like mm. got the two kids and obviously this is not to like say not slagging head off but like there is a reality that goes with that you know there is, is with reality. that particular dream mm. let's just put it that way and the reality in your case is 
that you're the mum mm. and the wife mm. that is perhaps pulling the less glamorous shift at points, mm. you know. But, um, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't swap places with him. Uh, That's the crazy thing. Well, but he thrives know. on it though, doesn't he? He thrives on it, and he he says, "Oh, if I could stay at home all the time, it'd be so amazing." Bollocks. And bollocks. <laughs> you know, he just he he's just told me his schedule for the next. Oh, it's just so busy. The thing is, you know, he's unbelievably talented at what he does. And I think that one of the reasons we've survived is when we got together, I was living in Geneva. So the first three years, was that three years that you and Barry Walker and I was coming every weekend? Yeah. Yeah, it was, I can't quite remember, but we were living in separate yeah. countries. Yeah, it would have been. Yeah, so we have never lived a life where we see each other every day he would drive me bananas <laughs> and i would drive yeah, him bananas no, that is, that you know is, so and like you say you kind of you build your own little yeah life within that it's almost. how we function and i yeah. function really well on my own with the kids um you know when he's back and he's not coming down from travel party working hard you know the jobs he does although it looks really glamorous he has often got um, work hard. Uh, you know someone yelling in one ear and he's watching one screen and there's like 12 screens on his left and he's got a it, he and there's not many people that can do what he does i always say he functions on a higher level you know he'll forget to oh everything <laughs> I'm just going to go out. Can you just make sure that you turn that off or put the, put the washing out or empty the dishwasher? Can you make sure you feed the kids? Have you fed the kids? Oh, no, no. He just functions on a higher level. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, and Ed, when you listen to this, don't be angry at me, but you are incredibly talented at what you do. <laughs> There's a bot coming out. <laughs> it's called functioning on a higher level. That's very, very diplomatic. Um, but I guess my next question then is, you know, you, you talk about carving out a life within the setup. Mm. What happens when those two lives, you know, bump together? Yeah, well, uh, amazingly, after that initial hideous week of... Um, assimilation which becomes very hard when he's away a lot and that week is all we have and it's and it's difficult and again that's why I say I talk about this honestly and candidly because it happens to women whose husbands are you know working on oil rigs they're working in security they're policemen they're 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 away when you have a husband who's away they come back and they want to find their place in the family and especially you know they get treated with respect in their job they come back in the house and they just barked orders <laughs> they because the mum is stressed you know when the kids were young he'd come back to a, a house of a one-year-old and a three-year-old and it was carnage and I was trying to run a business and he'd be like it's, you know and he used to do this, this thing this place is a shithole this place is a shithole <laughs> he'd, he'd tidy the Tupperware drawer with this ongoing joke amongst my friends I'd text them and say he's into the Tupperware well, that's, drawer well that's nesting though isn't it <laughs> yeah and it was how he would then Get himself that is like so back. funny that's basically nesting. an animal. Well, we'd look and it was so because that's I a am an explosion. Like it is <laughs> <laughs> putting little shiny objects, rearranging his nest. nest. <laughs> yeah, with, sitting in with it. a bit of tin foil. Yeah, that's so funny. But, but everyone could, does it. I do it. Yeah, you have to. I do it. I totally do to it. Get your I'll get home from a trip and I'll tidy the house, even yeah. if it just doesn't need tidying. Yeah. 
I mean, do you kind of tisk when you do it? Do you give help? No, I like we it. We call them helpful hands. No, I like I you like do. tidying up. Okay. I, I really like. There's a Brian Eno quote, which this is a very pretentious thing to say, but I'm gonna say anyway. Uh, if in doubt, tidy up. Mm. And um, I totally, I've done that my whole life. Oh my god, I love it. And it, a lot of it is, you know, putting off the work. Really, mm. if I've got. If I've got a big thing to do at work, the first thing I'll do is tidy the office. Yeah, or tidy the so thing. Again, it's weird, isn't it? Yeah. No, you have to, though, because you have to have an organised area. Well, but a lot of people don't. I think for me, again, it's just this weird sort of ritualistic control mm. thing. Mm. So weird. But that's Tell me about your childhood, man. Yeah, but that's <laughs> but that's what Ed's doing, though, isn't it? With yeah, his Tupperware drawer. it is. And once he gets that Tupperware in order, he's much better. Yeah, yeah. And we do, oh, you thank know. Thank Christ. Thank Christ. It's good. And I'm stoked. <laughs> you fed the kids. Covered, yeah. Fuck no. But that Tupperware <laughs> drawer, spotless. <laughs> and don't you go near it. <laughs> I've got to make lunchboxes. Where's You're the, not touching the where's Tupperware. Where's the lid? <laughs> I threw it out. You didn't throw out my Tupperware. The lid's over at Angie's house. That's so funny. No. But he once once we get through that stage, we're good. We just did. We've had good holidays this year. We've had a couple of weeks here and there, and um, and and Emma was fabulous. You know, we we get on well. We do get on well. We get on very well. It's just, and now hopefully the move to Wanaka is so that we spend more time together as a family because he misses out on a lot. You know, he misses yeah. out on so many little things and the kids change. You're basically increasing his ba- his uh, exclusion zone. It's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, if I move him far enough away from the action... No, I'm being facetious, obviously. It's going to take you that much bit, longer to get back to It's a bit like me. me with the, the puppy at the minute. <laughs> it's like, you know, just try to train it what it's not allowed to have and what it's allowed to have. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think it's brilliant. I, I mean, Wanaka. Yeah. You, what, what, um, for the kids, amazing. Yeah, it's yeah. for the kids. And it's all about the kids. You know, they're going to only like us for mm, maybe one more year. <laughs> yeah. But they're, they're under our, in our bosom. For what? Suki's twelve, so eighteen. She swears she's never leaving home, which will suit me fine. I can't bear the thought of them leaving home. It's oh my not God. long. <gasps> so yeah, so I said to her, "We got five more years." I mean, he didn't want to leave. He didn't want to leave Wanaka, and it was his. He's very he, but to his credit, he has he's worked his bum off so we can we can get there. And um, yeah, no, he, he's he's really sucked it up because when we did Verbier, it was meant to only be for one season, and we did three. So he's really aware that it's the kids. It's really all yeah. about the kids. No, know? it's great. Five, I mean, six I, more yeah. years. You'll be down. Uh, yeah, well, I'd love to. Yeah, not mm. been not been for a few years. So yeah, hey. Mm. We've got a, a post bike ride party par- party to attend. Woo woo, not drinking. <laughs> hey, I've got I've got some nanny states to drink. Oh, what are they? Are they like alcohol-free beers? <laughs> yeah. Oh. That you you know. Full of sugar. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Something else to feel guilty about. Yeah. yeah. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> I've replaced it. Yeah. Your teeth. Um, thank you, Sean. Pleasure. Yeah, it was great. Mwah, mwah. So there you go. That was my conversation with Sean Lee. That one was recorded at Nelson's Bike Ride 2018. Big thanks to our mutual friend Owen Hill for letting us use his amazing Hymer as a mobile studio. And huge thanks to Sean and Ed for being such great sports with this episode. I mean, I'm saying thanks to Ed because I guess the first time he's going to hear it is when he listens to this. So thanks, Ed. Hope you don't um, hate me and want to give me a dead arm next time you see me for all that chat. Um, hope you enjoyed, not you Ed, everyone else, enjoyed that one as much as me and Sean evidently did. 
and I hope her perspective has given you some food for thought. Like I say, you know, there's a healthy measure of skepticism on my side about some of it. I can't get on board with Deepak Chopra, I'm afraid, Sean. But if you want to find out more about her work, then head to her website, which you can find at the show notes on www.wearelookingsideways.com. If you want to give me any feedback, hit me up on my social channels, particularly Instagram at We Look Sideways, which is the one I use the most, or email me at podcast at wearelookingsideways.com. Okay, housekeeping corner. Big response after the last episode with Keith Malloy. A lot of people appreciating Keith's persona and perspective. So big thanks to everyone that got in touch about that. And also big thanks to everybody that gave me feedback about the brand stuff that I've been perhaps boringly going on about on these episodes. And yeah, since that episode went live, the conversations moved on quite a lot with two of the brands I've been chatting to who are for full transparency, Patagonia and Red Bull. Looks like I'm going to be exploring the possibility of producing a branded series of episodes for Patagonia, which will be distinct from the usual Looking Sideways episodes, but will still form part of the Looking Sideways series. We don't know what form that's going to take yet. It's just an idea we're chatting about. I do like that solution because it means that the episodes that everybody likes stay intact and unbranded. And then there's another stream, which is subtly and tastefully branded. Well, obviously that's the plan. Um, and you can listen to it if, if you if you want. So that's something we're chatting about rather than, as I've been saying, they're sponsored by Brand X um, Bollocks, which everybody does. Um, I've also been chatting to about Red Bull, about doing some specific stuff around some of their athletes just for them. So that's not something that you lot would ever hear. Um, but it's quite a nice idea for me because it could be something that brings in a bit of revenue, help, helping me do more and more of these, which is the goal, obviously, as ever, I'll keep you updated on what I decide to do. I do hold regular polls on Instagram about this stuff, which people seem to respond to really well. So yeah, we look sideways at Instagram if you want to check that out. All of which goes to show podcasts shit hot right now. I'm sure you've noticed it. A lot of podcasts. Everyone's got a podcast, me included. More and more of them starting, which is great. But it did throw up an interesting question, which I'd be interested to to know what everybody thinks about. Appearing on your own podcast, yes or no? It's one of the classic podcast tropes that you hit a certain level and you're like, oh, I might get interviewed on my own podcast. I've had a f- quite a few people suggest I do it on this show, actually. Get myself interviewed on it. Um, love to hear everybody's thoughts on that one unspeakably naff and self-centered or totally acceptable and just part of the modern oversharing culture we're all living in right now discuss let me know what your thoughts are um yeah anyway all this brand chat means i'm quite likely to be looking for help with the podcast at some point pretty soon because it's already at the point where i can't really keep up with it and if i'm going to be doing extra episodes for brands then i'm definitely going to need to bring somebody in to help me so I'm thinking somebody who can edit audio, is a journalist, knows how to use a semicolon, is into action sports, understands the podcast. Tall order, right? Pretty niche. Anyway, if you think you might be able to help or you know someone that could help, podcast at wearelookingsideways.com. Hit me up. So what else is going on? I'm off to Ireland next week to give a talk at a marketing conference. I'm also going to go surfing in Sligo, although the forecast looks ridiculous. So I might be breaking my drinking duck and uh, getting on the Guinness at this rate. Could do some podcasts as well. My Irish omnibus last year was 
was really popular. So it'd be great to see how it goes this time around. I'm traveling with my colleague and close friend Owen Tozer. So keep an eye on Instagram to see how all that goes. After that, I've got trips to France and potentially California planned. So yeah, busy winter ahead by the looks of it. Also want to give a quick shout out to my wife, Boog, who um, has been working away on an incredible range of kids' furniture and accessories called Kidda, K-I-D-D-A, for the last year or so, which is about to see the light of day. Follow her progress and find out how to order by following her on Instagram. She's at Boog House, B-O-O-G-H-A-U-S. And yeah, it's looking great. So check that out if you're in the market for some kids kit under the name Kidda. So that's it. Uh, it's a Friday here. We've got waves down in Brighton. Um, bought myself a new surfboard the other day. So I'm going to hopefully get in later. If you want to support the show, please consider the usual roll call of things you can do. You can share it online. You can leave me that review on iTunes. I've got over 200 five-star reviews. Some fucker gave me a two-star review. Um, and you could even buy some merch. The thermometer has dropped, so it's prime hoodie and uh, sweat buying time. Head on over to my site, www.wearelookingsideways.com to see what's on offer. And if you do buy something, remember to send me a picture so I can share it online. Okay, nice one. That's it. See you next time. Mm-hmm.